This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Newest episode of the Cabal Cast, our post Gen Con episode. Uh, obviously, this weekend kicked off Commander Spoilers oh, yeah. in earnest. So we're going to be covering that as well as just some vendor trends and topics that are kind of piggybacking on what we covered last week and stuff to keep in mind when you're selling or trading or stuff like that. Yep. So I guess we'll go ahead and get started. Sure. And it's going to be vendor trends first, right? Uh, so Did I get that right? No, this is spoilers because it's easy. Yeah, just two spoilers. Yeah. So... Spoilers came out, and the thing that struck me the most was, I think it was Saturday when the panel dropped, and they released that Seedborn Muse was getting a reprint. Oh, again. Uh, it's a, yeah, again. It's a card that had just been reprinted, I guess, two years ago now, uh, in Battlebond? No. Uh, was it Battlebond last summer? It feels like two years oh, ago, Battlebond, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um... So it didn't seem like it was quite ripe for a reprint, but nevertheless, here we are. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of people were mad about it because they're always mad about reprints. Everyone always is. I really don't think it's that bad. I think this is great because it's time for people to buy in. Uh, we had, if you take a look at the original printing on stocks, it reached its high point in 2016. And then in 2018, it had reached almost $30 before the reprint. Yeah. And then it plummeted down to 10 where it's kind of started a little bit of a recovery trajectory. It hit like 12-ish market. Well, to be fair, and it's second reprint because it was in Legions and then uh, 10th oh, edition. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And also 9th. So I guess this is now the fourth reprint. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is a terrible reprint. I don't no. think at $10, it's a terrible pickup. Uh, it's going to go down to eight or nine, and it's the type of card that goes into every green EDH deck. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. It's one half of the, I guess, permaban Prophet of Crufix. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not really that mad at that. Uh, I, th I think this is fine for the market. There was really this, and then there was uh, one other finance-related card that was printed, if you want to lead off with that one well the, the one thing i want to talk about seaborn muse on real quick is something i noticed with the sure. sultai deck that they released which is the morph deck and i can't remember if seaborn muse is in it because i was honestly looking for the names of new cards that had not been spoiled yet and then i noticed that the pain lands were reprinted in that deck the uh, enemy pain lands which basically yep. just goes to show that watsi just doesn't value a lot of these kind of staple cards quote-unquote stable cards for the format as anything and they're just willing to reprint you know favorites or all-stars whatever you want to call them for this casual format again and again until every player that wants them has them so what does that tell you it tells you that these things aren't safe as a finance vehicle and eventually we're going to see the other halves of cycles or other cards like oracle of moldiah or maybe even modern reflections get reprinted in time because watsi doesn't have any sacred cows when it comes to uh modern era uh, casual all-stars like this modern reflections isn't a busted card it is not a card that's too awkward to reprint in any kind of master set it is for for draft reasons which is why you'd see it in a supplemental theme set like commander but yeah. the allied pain lands are more more than overdue for a reprint into some form of uh constructive format 
So you got to be careful when you're looking at these kind of low-hanging fruit specs for Commander. Even if they are ubiquitous within the format, you do have to be cautious. And I believe we warned about that with Oracle, which is why we were hesitant to pick that card to begin with. Not just price tag, but the ability for Watsy to really slap Oracle into any for into yeah any format, including a modern uh, sorry a Masters format, because Landfall is easy to trigger in Limited, and Ramp is always good. So that something like that is always a target. The card that I wanted to talk about, because I got a handful of uh, text from other vendors while uh, Gen Con was going on, is uh, Crix. And I'm bringing up an image of the only version I could find. It's next to Leadership Vacuum and uh, Sanctum of Eternity, and then bring it up a little bit. Uh, it costs four and triple Phyrexian for a 2-2. Basically, you're looking at this as your commander. It you know, looks to be the new mono-black commander, giving every black pip and every spell you cast uh, the ability to be cast for Phyrexian Black. And at some point, I think it was midday Saturday or Sunday, shortly after uh, you text me about uh, the Alpha Card anecdote, somebody asked me about Cabal Stronghold and if it was really an, if I'd heard anything about it and why it was an $18 foil at that point in time, because uh, this person had made price, had made an offer uh, to buy a bunch of them based on their historic data saying that this card is effectively worth nothing according to them. They're not really churning stock on it. And the person just immediately pulled back and said it was an $18 foil. There's a flashpoint on the weekend where that happened after Crix was spoiled, because this is the next mono black general. You only have a handful of non-basic lands you can really play in these decks outside of Urborg, Cabal Coffers, Cabal Stronghold, and then uh, your Odds and Ends Utility Lands, which makes that second effect extremely powerful. And there is just that that flash that bumped things so there's going to be some fallout definitely because of that but now crix is this kind of target of what else can we do that's stupid with this card that people haven't seen pop yet you know balls of citadel is a very strong card in that deck uh i already talked about stronghold but we still have cabal coffers yet to go anywhere urborg has been been stagnant for a fairly long time and then you have some odds and ends cards that just function really well uh, for a recursion engine like Haunted Crossroads and uh, Volrath Stronghold. Cards that just allow you to cycle through your graveyard and chain infinitely. And this is an example of a seemingly innocuous card having an effect on something at a flashpoint and raising the floor. What we noticed by yeah. end of day was that the floor on large vendors had raised, or maybe end of weekend, from cents on the dollar to about $2 each. I think CK had relisted on Monday morning at about $2 while there were still yeah. some some vendors that were floating around at the, the low end price of somewhere around a dollar each you could pick them up on uh from larger or major vendors so it's something to keep an eye out spoiler season is pretty hectic and there's a lot to look at but i think this is something that's going to uh ripple and definitely you want to stay ahead of and just start getting creative and floating through on reddit where there's a bunch of threads about cricks and a lot of yeah, the other uh, cards that are coming out. The 5C wall that was partnered with the three and a blue wall that was spoiled today. The wall, like the thief, of, or yeah, the clone wall in essence that doesn't target. Yeah. Like people are already floating the idea of like, okay, well, it doesn't target, so obviously you can just make a true name nemesis. Like obviously playing a 4CMC true name nemesis is not as good as a 3CMC true name nemesis, but it's ideas like that that are going to churn through and power out some weird spikes. So, yeah. yeah, like 
Some cards are going to fall under the radar. Some cards are really obvious that they're going to do something dumb, and it, it would behoove you if you're going to follow com Commander Finance to start jumping into these threads and watching what people are doing and brewing with. And Twitter's actually been pretty active today. There's been a lot of like four and five card combos that have come out with a bunch of the things that have been spoiled. Uh, we actually have yeah. Volrath, the app. Uh, no, not Volrath, uh, whatever the shapeshifter is, the the Sultai legend. Oh, yeah, that yeah. becomes a 7 5 or whatever. Yeah, that has the copy yeah. text. Like, yeah, that obviously doesn't trigger any ETB effects, but that thing's going to be dumb. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, within the morph deck itself, Volrath Shapeshifter wasn't spoiled. So that card was when I bought my 20 from CFB, a dollar four after shipping. Like, that's a time yeah. spiral rare. That card, you can flip it up and down. Uh, I don't think it, you can flip it up and down itself. Uh, oh, yeah, Vesuvian Shapeshifter? Yeah, Vesuvian no, Shapeshifter. You, yeah, it, it can flip itself up and down. And it's definitely... Yeah, you may turn this face down, yeah. So you yeah, just it's... keep resetting it? Mm-hmm. And you get whatever morph benefits you have out that are just incidental. Yeah. Uh, it did get a reprint in A25. yep. And both versions were about the same in price. Foils were whatever. You know, pick whichever version you want if you want to move in. But this is the card that benefits that deck, being able to flip itself up and down and continuously copy things. It's kind of got the yeah. progenitor mimic bonus on it, where every upkeep, you can just keep doing it. Like, it... This is the kind of thing is uh, is why I picked Cricks because it's a, something you need to pay attention to, and it, mm -hmm. the hive mind does actually pump out some good ideas here and there. Why? Well, and we touched on this on an earlier episode that if you want to get into MTG finance, you need to start paying attention to stuff like Command Zone mm -hmm. or Laboratory Maniacs, uh, just like YouTube content creators and you know the internet because it moves a lot faster than it used to. Yeah, Geek uh, Geekbex doesn't do it. Um, Loading Ready Run I think does some Commander stuff now. Like yep. There's infinite of them. If you just search up one of them, related videos on YouTube will have them all. Like, yeah. Just fall down that rabbit hole. You'll thank us later. You might have. You might not have enough hours in the week free time to actually watch these things, but like, at least look at that's the deck what list. Reddit and Twitter are for. There's that too. Yeah. Or just skip to the end, see who won, go back to the beginning, look at their deck list, and then pick up. Yeah. Try pick some cards because generally that's what happens. Yep. But, uh, from the floor of Gen Con, though, you saw and heard some interesting things. So I, there was a lot of push for IECE power, and I know that Channel just announced that at least in Vegas, and I think they said only Vegas, mm -hmm. uh, they're allowing IECE power for an old school event. Yes. Uh, it was just interesting that you know some of the people that were around asking were vintage players who had power, so they could have used it, but they were opting instead to start picking up IECE power, and we've already seen a little bit of movement on that with you know like a excuse me. The Lotuses are hitting close to a K okay, now, yeah. just for IECE, which, you know, seems absurd. But not only do we have Vegas coming up, we also, you know, a couple months later, we've got Eternal Weekend again. Yep. So you're going to see that annual Vegas bump, uh, and you may actually, because Eternal Weekend seems to be a little bit later this year, it's on Halloween instead of earlier in October you may get a little bit of a down period in between Vegas and EW when you see another power spike. So it's, you know, there's there's two spots that you get in. It's mm. either now or a month and a half from now after Vegas when things sort of hit a lull. Yeah. I would suggest getting in now personally. I think it's a better time. I don't know if the lull's even going to happen, and I don't think it is. I think at this point, when it comes to any type of power, i.e. or otherwise, vendors know better. They, they know that we need to not 
you know, we can't discount this right now. In two months, we've got EW, and it's going to pit another head. Yep. Uh, the other interesting thing was there were a few vendors I spoke to that, you know, they came by the booth and they're like, you know, what's your number on this? Uh, and they're like, yeah, that's not real. I mean, this is an Amazon card. And it's something that we kind of touched on in a previous episode is that, you know, these new marketplaces that are coming out for people to actually do volume. You know, Amazon's always been a place you could sell magic, mm -hmm. but you didn't do volume like you do now. And there's a few in particular, like there's some sellers that are at GPs that you know, oh, they're going to be, you know, in, they'll be at this GP and they do Amazon. Oh, yeah. I can actually rattle off a couple right now for something we're going to look at later. Uh, MTG First, which used to do GPs, MTG Mint Card, uh, which yep. you'll see, 95, you'll see, Channel Fireball. Yep. Uh, you'll see. Yep. Uh, Troll. Troll. You'll see. Uh, Strike Zone. Yeah. Uh, Super Games, you won't. Not anymore. But their store is gigantic in Atlanta. They definitely uh, pull some volume. Hot Sauce. Yeah. And Tales of Adventure. Like, those are some of the, the yeah. biggest names. So, like, right now, for example, uh, on TCG, as we're saying this, because I the first thing I did was I pulled up my pick for the week mm -hmm. ships from and sold by mtg first 13 dollars on amazon the tcg low on this card is 987 with shipping included so if you can pick this up for about seven eight bucks you can flip it to mtg first for a profit right away just because they're the seller uh, the other thing is you can look at who else has it in stock and try to go to them. So we've got used and new, bunch of different sellers. So we have MTG First, MTG Mint Card is selling for 12 95 is selling for 15 Well, maybe you should take it to them because they're going to pay more for it because that's what they're selling it for on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So it's just something to keep an extra eye on. You've got Kerwan, Strike Zone, The Wasteland, uh it's something that also piggybacks on what we talked about last week where, Oh, here's tails. $24 is what they're selling it for on Amazon. Uh, we're just keeping in mind before you go to a show, what you're going to do and having your stuff laid out. It's a good way for you to be able to say, all right, I know this is what I'm taking where you can maximize your profit in a minimal amount of time at the event. Mm -hmm. So you can go explore the city or do whatever else it is you want to do. And I think that that's been something that now even vendors are starting to be like, all right, well, my buy list number on this card is $6. And I know I can take it to, you know, tails for eight. Flip it, yeah. Well, I guess I'm just not even going to put these on a marketplace anymore. They're just all going to get arbitraged onto Amazon, basically, because they're going to the vendor with the highest buy list number. Yep. And that's something that, especially in the coming months, while a lot of the focus is on these new standard sets, and to a certain extent, Eternal formats, because we do have Vegas, where there's a lot of legacy and vintage, and then we have Eternal Weekend, where that's obviously all there is. Mm -hmm. uh, you may see some of these cards from like Modern Horizons or Commander start to dry up and move over to those marketplaces. So it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, because once it becomes the vendor choice, you don't really have the option of not paying attention to it anymore. Correct. It, it just doesn't exist. Yeah. At that point, vendors have more money than you do. I, unfortunately, they just do. That's how it is. Mm -hmm. So they can pay more. They can buy up all the copies on TCG and move them 
to someone who's going to pay more. Yep. And that's just how it works. And, and that's effectively the same thing as moving cards out of Japan or off MKM into another region. It works the exact same. For The vendors aren't moving their product there, so it's priced to market, but the market somewhere else is higher. So it's just arbitrage on a larger scale. You, one of the reasons you can't afford to overlook Amazon anymore is because sealed product is on Amazon now. It's going to be there. It has become a marketplace that people are going to look at. So you're going to have those related item strands. More people are going to be shopping Amazon for things like this as you go through. Uh, there are some, some of the things that I collect. I actually have bought a, a 1988 10-back Leonardo Ninja Turtle figure from Amazon. The one I own is from Amazon. Uh, nice. I bought a Shadowless Blastoise off Amazon because it was cheaper than eBay. It wasn't a great marketplace for them, but they were there. So as I was doing my due diligence and looking to maximize my funds, this became an option. But now that more Magic product is going to be there, you're going to see more related sales and more sales shift to Amazon as a viable marketplace. That's what happened with TCG Player. There are other places you could do it before TCG Player, but once it start, once it began to prove itself as a legitimate marketplace and, and open up to more people, then it became kind of a monster in the space and now it yeah. is a, a more reliable source of aggregate information for pricing when you're trading for buying and selling yeah and you have to respect what's up and coming you can't just set it aside that's you'll lose in the end yeah and the other and thing it's... is selling on amazon as an as an individual also isn't that difficult no like, it's not uh, their their interface is also very easy to use. They also tell you up front when you list an item at a price how much money they're going to give you after fees. Yep. Which is not something TCG does unless you go digging to find what it's going to be. So there's times where it's almost easier. Yep. And, you know, by no means do I think we're going to see, like, all of the marketplace ship over to Amazon. That's just not happening. No, all. no. Uh, it's just as this marketplace grows, you have to pay attention to it because yeah. it is going to have a huge impact, especially, you know, right now the vendors are starting to take notice before too long. You'll miss the opportunity to get in on this. So we're just trying to educate everyone. Yeah. And we're only looking at singles. There are other vendors that operate in different areas on Amazon, like bulk lots and things like that. And there are, there are some other very large vendors that operate in that space that don't operate in, in any other space. So it's not like yeah. it's only a few. There are a lot of large vendors that operate all across Amazon and have for years. Yeah. So. Uh, especially now, you know, when sets first come out, speaking of sealed product being on Amazon, Wizards is doing FBA with those boxes mm -hmm. for the first wave. So if Wizards is doing it, it's not going anywhere. There is a 0% chance that marketplace ceases to exist. No. And so... And Amazon is very efficient at what they do. If Wizards FBAs, you know, 100 cases to Amazon, 600 boxes go online, 600 boxes sell, no less. Sorry, no more. Yep. No more. You can no sell more. less. No more. Yeah, no no more sell. You don't have, you know, 27,000 copies of Mythic Edition selling when there's only 600 on there. Mm -hmm. It's only 600. Yeah, that's it. I'm not salty. No. I mean, I'm sure you're... Uh, your uncut sheets look great. Yeah, Cut, my, uh, <laughs> my my uncut sheet right here. <laughs> of toothbrush, this, yeah. This quip toothbrush. Thanks, guys. Uh, you should frame that. 
I'm going to. <laughs> but uh, some of the other the texts that I got over the weekend uh, also kind of fall into the topics that we wanted to talk about was I also got notified about uh, certain vendors overpaying on various cards. And it, uh, it's something that we've talked about in our other Discord. Renin 6 is still being bought for $75 by non-US vendors. Yep. So at, you know, this card, as an example, is still being floated by other regions. It, it's not being lent a price. It has a very real price. There is a market for this, and they will be arbitraged if they are too low, because that does happen. Yeah. And, and Gen Con is only one of a handful of places where large Asian vendors that do not operate generally in the U.S. market space will come over just to buy out everything they need and have set deals up ahead of time with other large vendors for product yeah. on site to bring back. We might see it at Eternal Weekend too, because that is another place yeah. where you're going to have a large con or a high concentration of very powerful cards in one place that somebody who needs it within a region can just come in and scoop them up even at no discount and still turn around and make a profit back home because those cards, there's a market and that market needs yeah. to be filled. I mean, there's, I know one MTG finance guy that was buying up every run and six in the room for $80. Mm -hmm. And if he's buying them for $80, then there's going to be a marketplace for more than that because yep. he's not someone who's, you know, dumb, I would say. Yeah. But it's, it's just, that buy list number is just absurd. Yeah. And even now, uh, worth noting, we have received word that vendors have been restocked. I know because I spoke with my rep at Southern. Yep. Vendors have been restocked now with Modern Horizons. It did happen. That's why rare prices dropped. But you know what prices didn't go up or didn't drop? Renin 6. It only went up as the restock happened. So I don't think there's an opportunity for this card to be worth less money no uh i was uh over the weekend i was told that the price on plague engineer was real at 12 dollars, at least uh on the floor of gen con whether or not that holds i don't know looking at the prices for plague engineer right now on tcg player it's a lot of uh non like not no name vendors but it looks like basically essentially backpackers there's no large names yeah. here so if once these dry up after the reload, then $12 plus might be a real price on this card, uh, which was, again, a little tidbit that I picked up coming out of Gen Con. Like, people are willing to pay real prices on real cards from this set, regardless of the restock, because they believe yeah. in these cards, they believe in the format moving forward, regardless of what happens with Hogak. So, if the, again, we've said it before, if there's anything you need from this set, you, you pick it up sooner rather than later. I think yeah. the only cards that kind of fall on the wayside in regards to that are things like Collector, Oof, and the Swords. You know, nobody's yeah. really playing any of them to great effect, but we should see the Swords tick up in time thanks to EDH. Yeah. And Collector, Oof is, at this point, more played in Vintage than any other format, which, is weird. unfortunately, being a $3 card in Vintage means absolutely zero for MTG Finance. Oh. So. <laughs> It's it's no Narset. No, not at all. But I don't know uh, if there's any more interesting things that we saw come out of Gen Con. It was very much a, uh, a spoiler-heavy event. It seemed like the highlight for Magic players was the Keep What You Draft Legacy Cube. Which was great. Yeah. I, I don't even know how you got into that. I just heard about it late on the weekend. 
and it just seemed kind of light overall, which is a nice reprieve from Gen Con's previous. Although last year the hoopla was the the beta draft, right? That was yeah. So you had we might have had spoilers ahead of time, so we didn't get anything too grand there. It was just whatever was going on with financial trending and whatever uh, BGS or PSA was doing on site to grade cards. Yeah, and that was really the only earth shaker. Not much, which, uh, worth noting, I have been told BGS is now under investigation for fraud. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, there is evidently a very disproportionate number of people in BGS who own black labels. Okay. Like their employees. Yep. Uh, as well as there's evidently been some rigging going on with internal grading and stuff like that. So that's worth monitoring going forward because that's a pretty niche market that obviously just exploded because, you know, we had a Lotus sell for 180 grand. Well, it's not just us. Uh, going back a couple weeks ago to Jersey to dig through stuff like and pricing up baseball cards, the only way sports cards sell now if they're not, like, coming out of those $1,000 packs is graded. And if, yeah. And I believe they trust PSA, if uh, my case photos are anything to be believed. Yeah. So it puts pressure on PSA to keep their noses clean, and then maybe that company I can never remember the name of that's coming up out of Europe to to march into I can't that market. Either. But yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't be the first time that a grading company uh, went under, which is kind of interesting because I have I'd never let's see if I can find it real quick. Here it is. I have a card slabbed by SGC. The website used to be sgccard.com. Mm, yeah. And the company's name was Sports Card Guarantee LLC. And it's graded <laughs> a 96 out of 100. Mint 9. I guess they round down. It has a serial number and a barcode and everything. So now I'm in this interesting spot. Of, do I crack this case and get it regraded, or I just leave it here in its case from a grader that doesn't exist anymore and hope for the best? And I think I'm yeah. in camp, too. <laughs> probably yeah but no that'll be interesting to see shake out and then we also had uh sports and more kind of die down on ebay uh their listings for non distro related items i.e supplies has finally dried yeah. up uh, aside from the commander decks apparently some people were able to pre-order those so i, I guess they're i mean it's a bit of a shake up but it, for not financially like they just sold boxes at a minimal profit and yeah a lot of people made up curious. for it in volume yeah we're curious how the hell that's possible because they're a distro don't let them fool yeah you. yep so uh if we want to move on to picks i'll let you run with this one because you want to go over marketplace options yeah so as i mentioned uh one of my picks this week or picks was based on an amazon vendor so my pick this week was the first sliver so the first sliver is an Amazon card. It's the one I mentioned earlier that's selling for like $14 on Amazon mm -hmm. and is about eight to nine on TCG. So one of the vendors I mentioned uh, was like $20, $25. They're paying more money. Mm -hmm. So this is like a vendor insight type of deal that I think I'm gonna try to focus on. Follow us on Twitter. I'll have these up periodically. That's, you know, hey, here's here's an arbitrage opportunity for you. You can buy this for seven, eight bucks if you can get it at a local or from a local, whatever. 
buy it on Facebook on sick deals for seven or eight bucks, sell it to someone that sells on Amazon at a GP. You'll make money. Mm-hmm. It's easy. I also think that besides that, the first sliver being a tribal card, being a mythic that is one of the most popular tribes that I think has ever been printed in a limited run set yep. means that, I mean, even before slivers were reprinted, Sliver Legion was a $40 card. I, this is better than Sliver Legion. Giving all your stuff Cascade and it itself having Cascade in the Sliver tribe is absurd. Yep. So even if you buy it retail, there's a Card Rush right now has 34 copies at $9. That's still, you know, if you don't end up arbitraging to an Amazon vendor, a fine price in a year. Because I'm willing to bet it's probably below buy list at that point. Yeah, there are a lot of people that like this card, and the deck is the commander uh, for, Silver, for Silver Tribal. I am not one of them. Uh, I believe this card is perfect in the 99. If you uh, can't find a Hive Lord or a Queen, I think it's a, a perfectly good uh, replacement card uh, in that mm-hmm. aspect. Uh, I, I will be actually receiving mine shortly to slot in. Uh, it allows you to rebuild the Sliver deck from just being a combo-style deck with Alluring and Hearthstone training grounds to just combo out, make infinite slivers, and then throw them all at your opponents. You know. Yeah. Because generally speaking... The use. Yeah. Slivers cost between 1 and 3, and it's very difficult with the first sliver to keep that train rolling if you play an aggressive version of the deck, but if you play a bigger version of the deck, and you start at, like, quick sliver-ish, which costs 4, and yeah. you stick to, like... You can go all the way up to seven. Might slip, not might sliver. Uh, Mega sliver or Megantic sliver. Whatever Megantic, the, yeah. The, uh, yeah, it was a corset promo as well. Like, you can go all the way up the chain and do some great things with the four through seven CMC slivers, and it just allows you to build the deck differently instead of just being like the combo dork. Yeah. And so, uh, like, like you said, high sliver legion just kind of snuck along for a really long time even after the commander format had become a thing it had only popped so much and then within the last what was it year not even like the last six to nine months is when we saw it blow up yeah all of a sudden basically around the time that sliver queen had started seeing some movement Mm -hmm. about eight to nine months ago yeah we saw it jump it so the first sliver will will definitely it'll jump before that like you said it's, it's a popular tribe it's a good mechanic it's just all around worthwhile for sub ten dollars. Like even if you're just gonna buy one for EDH, it's going to be a solid hold. Yeah. Forever. Like, I don't think the foils are terribly expensive either. Uh, no, maybe. they're not. Okay, I say they're... that and it's seventy six oh seven. Oh did they oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I thought they were hovering in the forty to fifty. As 60, did I. Sixty six, that's not bad. That might be the better route to go if you want a mu- a much longer term hold for much more profit, but uh that's that's not where I put my money. I uh, and it jumps pretty quickly from sixty to ninety within yeah. six sellers. Yeah. It yeah. looks like it's up to ninety. And to give you guys an idea of what we're talking about when we're when we say pay attention to marketplaces, is if you go look and you look at Card Kingdom, who's not an Amazon vendor, and you search their uh, their buy list, they're not buying First Sliver at all. First Sliver is not on the list. But if you go to a vendor like Troll and Toad, it's on their buy list. Why? Yep. Because they sell on Amazon. They have an immediate marketplace for that. Not only are they actually an EDH vendor on site, but they also they also push through Amazon, where the markup on this card is ridiculous compared to TCG. Yeah. 
definitely keep your eyes peeled for that one. Uh, my pick is a little less uh, low-key than that. Uh, I went with uh, Panharmonicon before anything was spoiled, really, for this set. With the, the Morph Tribe coming in and the... Uh, is it Proliferate? Yeah, I think Proliferate's yeah. the one. Uh, knowing that we had a bunch of cards that were going to interact when the ETB'd, and this being a colorless card, I figured there's no way that this doesn't see motion. It's already a $7 uh, rare on, on TCG sites. Right? Yeah. So you're looking at a $7 card. Oop, that's foil. $7 card, black. 524 for low-end light play. Let's see if I can pull up on stocks real quick. It's a card that's, that's held... Uh, relatively steady. I think it was the cheapest one. It was in standard, obviously, but it was also in a standard combo deck. It was. The it also was one of the first of the like Kaladesh cards that people saw as EDH that started going up before. Yep. Rotation. Yeah, the the foil was uh, EDH priced well before the set was even released. I remember looking at that, and if you look yeah. at the graph going all the way back to uh, was it Guilds of New Rav? the market and the average have basically been fighting this entire time, and we see kind of steady growth basically month almost month over month for a while, and now that we've yeah. hit the the Commander spoiler season, we're seeing a lot of cards that uh, will have ETB triggers, and I think we saw another one that might have yet another Panharmonicon effect on it. This is only a card that's going to get better with immediacy. Yeah. If you had any kicking around coming out of standard because you picked up a bunch for that deck or you knew they're going to be EDH playable, then somewhere in the next six months is probably like the cherry time to get rid of those. After that, it becomes a longer term hold as people buy into this card and it dries up. This isn't Rings of Bright Heart, Bright Hearth. This isn't Strionic, Re Strionic Resonator. Both like these seem to be iterable cards. Like they started with Rings of Bright Hearth. Then they moved to Strionic Resonator. Now they have Panharmonicon getting better each time and uh, more yeah. playable. So we might see a reprint in a Commander set in the next couple of years, but we're talking like mm, two to three down the road. Between now and then, there's no reason why this isn't a $10 card minimum, maybe cresting towards 15 by by next summer and we move to the next Commander set, unless we just get some bonkers ETB stuff in our actual standard sets. Yeah, which, right. I mean admittedly wizards has been pushing more and more we had snapcaster mm -hmm. and we've only gotten more etbs since so it's similar to coco you know it's a card that the longer the game goes on the better it's going to get exactly um, and because it also looks at artifacts not just creatures it does create some weird bit of synergies there yeah so uh, spine of ishsa yep uh, uh fraction no uh no it wouldn't work with metamorph but uh dull solemn yeah, Which Solemn. Counts as both artifact and creature. Uh, but things like that. I think it's just, this is a good example of a solid casual hold. And even if you're not going to get them, if you're not going to out them to buy a list, this is an easily tradable card at FNMs. Or, oh, yes. you know, if you have uh, local commander pods, you should have no problems getting rid of this card. Like, if you can get it for five or six in some weird niche places like Card Shark, getting out at at 10 in a couple of months is just going to be fantastic for this card. Yeah. So, um, I picked it at, for what it's worth, if you guys care, 684 when I made the call. It's already up 30 cents coming out of the weekend, which isn't, like, gigantic, but that just shows continued steady growth, at least through spoiler season. So the more yeah. we see, the, the better chance we have that this card just shoots up. Because we haven't seen the deck list yet for the decks that will matter. The Morph yeah. one, not so much, right? Because that's just 
more if it's a special action, it just turns something up. It's not an ETB trigger. So we need to wait to see what's in the other decks before this card either just kind of continues cresting the way it was or just spikes up. Uh, I did, before we take it away for the day, I did want to mention something that I thought was pretty important that I think we... We actually covered it in Discord a little bit. Okay. Um, not everyone who follows may know. Gary Vaynerchuk yep. tweeted out that he's excited to spend the next year learning Pokemon and Magic because he wants to get into the marketplace. So this is one of those people that everyone, you know, he's a filthy finance bro, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, he's an entrepreneur, an author, and his net worth is hundreds of millions of dollars. I think this is pretty big for MTG Finance. Yes. Uh, I, I can actually go in a little deeper here. So uh, Gary's been a sports guy for a while, and he yeah. used to be a, uh, a yard sale guy. So before he took over at his parents' wine store, before he made his money uh, as a marketer and wrote his books, he and his brother used to do yard sales, so they're used to the flip. So they have that part of things down. But uh, he was also into sports cards. Right now, in particular, he's looking for soccer cards for some reason. I don't get that. But he already has a store. Uh, it's like Edison Sports Card something or other. Like Edison, New Jersey Sports Card. And uh, they've already done a couple of card shows. And I don't know if it's him and his two or three associates that stock the cases themselves or it's all his stock, but they are to the gills stocked with graded cards for sports. So he's, he's either been preparing for this uh, for years on his own, just getting ready and slowly buying in, or this was a passion of his already that he wanted to turn into something a little more actionable by moving, by uh, starting to go to sports card shows in the last couple of months. But he's, also, he's not a stranger to uh, collectible finance, and he actually has uh, worked with Chilcott a little bit on the collectible website that Chilcott set up. I can't remember yep. the name of it, but... Uh, Gary was looking at that to be a, a ground floor kind of guy. I don't know if he was going to angel invest or, or, or what. So he, he, ha he has been in the collectibles market. He is a force. Aside from having money, the other thing he has is rabid followers. There are yep. people that follow him because he's essentially at this point a motivational speaker that just vomits content onto any social media platform he can. And he has visibility. So with the money and the visibility, he definitely has the ability to shake up the market, which I don't think he's going to do. I think he's just going to lend credibility to these games as a finance vehicle. And if yeah. he does that by moving into graded cards, that's awesome because that's a niche that I think just needs to be floated a little more publicly because right now it is a very kind of private thing. Uh, not, yeah. There's not a lot of visibility into it to see what prices are aside from the auctions just that just float by. Well, but if he doesn't, and he just moves into ungraded cards and does not get them graded, just the purpose of flipping, then he's going to help lend a floor to a lot of the reserveless cards that we all know and love so dearly. Or maybe some high-end foils. I don't know if he'll go like alternate language route, or if he'll just stick with English, because he's got to pick his lane, and yeah. obviously he hasn't done that yet. As far as I know, he hasn't really sat down with anybody to talk about any games in particular. He's just been looking at sports. In the end, wherever he winds up is where he winds up, but he's going to lend power to wherever he goes, and he's going to help cement a floor for a lot of what's going on. He's not the first person to do this uh, in regards to wealth. He's just 
one of the most public people to do so. Um, yeah. I it, it's he has more visibility than Shkreli, who just had a Reddit post and a few hangouts with Rudy, really. Yeah. But he's he's seen as much more legitimate in the finance world than Shkreli was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from what I've heard and what I know, the other there are people with more money moving into the collectibles market than him, but they're doing so quietly and they're moving into sports. They're not actually moving into games. So. Yeah. While it might not pan out for him, he might not actually move into into uh, game stuff because I honestly don't know where he what marketplace he's going to try and work in aside from Facebook because none of them really speak to him aside from uh, Magic Fest and those are like wildly uh, unprofitable. Uh, it, we might actually just see him staying in the sports card lane. Yeah, but. I think that's probably about it for the week. I don't have anything else if you don't. No, uh, I'm good. I'm just looking for snow basics right now. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we have Minneapolis coming up this weekend. That's where I'll be. It is yeah. a format I don't remember, and I'm flying in on Friday morning. So I'm red-eyeing in like you did. Yeah. And then Not we great. Have, yeah, and then we have like a week of quiet, and then Vegas, which we'll both be at. <clears throat> and then I will be at Star City Indie on the or not andy sorry dallas on the 31st uh of august into september and then i believe i'm going to be doing um indy as well okay i have to make sure bernie's going to confirm that'll be for moose loot nice and then i will be at oklahoma city and columbus for sure as well for miniature market i guess okc is just kind of uh the backyard yeah, basically, it's like a four four hour drive. Uh, it'll also be interesting because that's my birthday weekend. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that is it for us, and we uh, want to apologize for the late podcast. But getting in at two a.m. on a Monday after Gen Con is uh, not the best start to a day that want that you want to end with a podcast. So brutal. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get this out in the video. We'll uh, be coming out on Wednesday, and as always, we are at MTG Cabalcast. I am at Halt. I am Reptar. I am at Thirsty Sizzler. You can find our Patreon at MTG Cabalcast when we are still taking entrance for the uh, Uma Raffle, and we might be coming up with something soon with either the Commander or the False that we got to see uh, what we want to do. Yep. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thanks, guys. <laughs>